Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 40K Fireside Podcast. I'm David Gaylord, and I'm joined by my good friend, Vic Vijay. Together, we discuss 40K in the meta from our perspective, along with events we've recently been to and those that have got coming up. So come on down to the fireside and listen. Ooh, get that fireplace, fireplace cracking. There we go. Episode 36. It has been a minute. We've been... Uh, I've been, I've been focusing on life for a bit uh, for about the past month. Uh, got married in Greece. Uh, Vic was at my wedding, of course. Uh, had a blast. We've had uh, everyone around, but you know we're coming back to it. I have been a little bit out of practice, I think, for LGT, but um, you know I'm really excited to be playing what I'm playing. This episode we're going to cover just uh, so much stuff. Like we've had the balanced data slate drop. We've had we've got the numbers on the faction representation for the LGT. Uh, LGT, I think, by the way, is 750-ish players. So we'll just call it 750. Uh, and it's looking really exciting because this is the first big tournament uh, since the Balanced Data Slate. And the Balanced Data Slate came out, I'm going to assume, about 19 days ago of this recording. So it's been a, it's been a bit of a WTC incubator in a certain sense that uh, you know people have been keeping things pretty close to their chest, I think. And uh, we've had a little bit of that spoiled by the Invitational, perhaps. But I think people who keep saving their best for last at the LGT. So welcome back, Vic. 36. It's been oh, a minute. It has. Uh, we've we both got so many messages from people asking, what do you guys think about the balanced data slate? What do you think about the balanced data slate? And we're going to try and tie this episode in between LGT and our thoughts on the balanced data slate, where the meta right. sits. We've had a bit of time to practice now, so we kind of tuned in a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. There were a few uh, kind of nuances about the meta which weren't immediately obvious, but mm-hmm. now information is starting to spread through the community as it always does. And, you know, we've got our own ideas that we want to share with you as well. Um, sure. L- LGT is looking pretty hot as well. It's g- looking like it really represents how we feel that the, the meta is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um, numbers are looking pretty balanced at the uh, top of the LGT, which is nice as well. The faction representation is certainly a lot better than what it previously was. Mm-hmm. I think we might still have the same symptoms as before, but they're I'm a lot less pronounced, aren't they? Oh, definitely. Uh, so maybe we should chat about the balanced data slate. Do you want to just should we just go through? I've got it open here. We can quickly go over some of the big changes, maybe. Go on, hit hit out a few points that yeah. really stood out to you, Dave. Uh, okay, fire Overwatch getting changed to you cannot target a Titanic unit with a stratagem. I think this was quite big. I was looking at playing a monolith and actually a decision point when I realized it couldn't overwatch uh, made me not want to play it. So I think that's obviously affected the Wraith Knight as well. It affected the Astra Militarum tanks too. So that's a little bit of a small one. Your enemy has to be visible as well. I think it's less impactful than the Titanic version. But all in all, I think that's a healthy change for the game, especially because activating a 400 odd point unit to overwatch with is a bit, for one CP is a bit too, um, too, bit too uh, crushing, don't you think? Yeah, I think it's a perfectly fine change. It, it, it's kind of like, they had two nerfs and they were kind of it, it i would have been choosing between one of two which is you know what they've done in terms of how uh, towering models gain line of sight mm-hmm. now um they've kind of tied it in nicely because there was one particular rule about gaining line of sight where you had to be wholly within a ruin to see mm. through the ruin that you're in which is quite interesting and it's not very intuitive but now that they have the distinction the towering models even if they're partially within a ruin they count as being able to see through it Mm. that gives a bit of a distinction between other models Mm -hmm. that alone might have been enough to solve towering models but they've hit them with an overwatch change as well i would have liked to have seen a change to overwatch in general rather than particularly targeting towering but i can't complain about this it's fine it's in the right direction 
feel a little bit sad for um, you know night players. I know I've been a bit harsh in the past about them, but <laughs> this is probably a little bit brutal and narrows down their list choices even more, unfortunately. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think night players as a general, I think imperial knights for sure, uh, definitely a loser in this one, which is a shame because I think whilst I know you said you got a bit of flack for what you said in the last episode, <laughs> on it, but um, I think the broader point you were trying to make was that it's nice knights are cool if they're a diverse army when you field them but it's more the spammy element of them that one dimensionality to them that makes them a bit um cumbersome to play against but we're uh, digressing insane bravery uh has been the most obvious change ever you need to do it before you roll the battleshock test right that's a great change because the fact that you could invalidate a potentially crucial battleshock test after the fact uh, made that made the strat basically uh you know sometimes like most of the time you wouldn't even need to use it so it's actually come up quite a few times now that you can only use a stratagem once has come up multiple times for me and the fact that you need to roll it before your battle shock is um quite important so uh a plus on that one for me i really like that change yeah i mean another change which i i actually thought was very good was the way that they've changed devastating wounds mm-hmm. yep. um i think they've done that in it's probably one of the most impactful changes for the meta Mm. and for the game in general devastating wounds kind of make a bit more sense now they're not mortal wounds they just ignore armor and invulnerable saves Mm. and i kind of like it it gives you an answer for things while not kind of spilling over and making devastating wounds Mm -hmm. uh weapons kind of all uh purpose kind of not killing hordes and kind of the hard thing now it's just really good for killing the the tough target that you wanted to kill Mm. i think they've nailed the change on that one and i think it's going to be something we feel much more comfortable with going forward yeah, I agree. The another big one, another big change was modifying a stratagem CP cost, which means that you can basically only use free stratagems on battle tactic stratagems. Now, initially, I wasn't a fan of this. I thought battle tactic was a bit narrow and niche, but actually, more that I've played it, I actually think this has been an overall net positive change for the game. I think the and everyone I think uh, kind of agrees with this is that the number of free stratagems that you get every turn or whatnot like that, and some people had them every turn, some people had them every battle round. It just got a little bit out of hand and i think the fact that you can use it but only for some is uh is a good change for the game in general i'm gonna say the overall there are uh, some good changes on that i think they could dropped out the chosen lord i think can have access to some quite strong battle tactic uh stratagems as well so that's a really good change uh but quite an impact for one of the game i think marines were one of the hardest hit ones with this where they had a lot of stratagems that weren't battle tactic but yeah, what was your thought? Um, I guess in Eldari, you weren't really using that much, were you, Vic? But your previous army, Thousand Suns, I know, took a bit of a beating from them. Yeah, that's a pretty brutal hit for Thousand Suns. It's a brutal hit for certain targeted armies. Mm-hmm. I actually find this change a little bit strange, but I, I kind of understand your reasoning on it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some armies which are going to suffer, and Thousand Suns is one of the ones which suffers the most. Not being mm-hmm. able to make the uh, indirect fire stratagem which was a kind of a staple of the way I played the game. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, free is is a pretty big hit, to be honest. Um, yep. But uh, you know what? I think it's something we're all going to get used to. And I think the accumulation, like the combination of all of these changes is overall positive for the game. Yep. And I, I don't have too many complaints about the core rule changes. Yep. So we'll give that one a B minus, I think. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, Adeptus Custodes, I think, actually got... I mean, man... They got nerfed quite a bit, but they still retain some of their core army themes. Now, I'm not an expert on that one, so I'm not going to speculate too much. But what I would say is that Adeptus Custodes are still well represented at the LGT with 5.84% in the meta. 
44 people playing them out of 750. So whether or not that's just people leaning into an army that they're comfortable on, uh, or the UKTC boards kind of encouraging combat, who knows? But I think obviously they did take a hit, but they were very strong before. And I think a lot of uh, the strength of Custodes locked a lot of armies out of the game. So I think an overall positive change on that one. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I I don't know. I feel really sorry for Custodes because there were a few top armies and we always expected that the top armies would get hit. Hmm. Um, but there were a few surprises here in the sense that some of the top armies got hit harder than others. And I think Custodes out of the top, you know, three, four armies probably got hit the hardest out of anything. Yes. Um, with changes to their unit sizes, but most importantly, that change to devastating wounds, hmm. not being able to use their like main rule of a four plus feel no pain against mortal wounds mm-hmm. just means they are so squishy. They just, yep. they just die. Um, I think and, the free stratagem hit them a lot as well, didn't it? Oh yeah. yeah. So they just can't exist and survive to make it to combat. They can't survive a round of being in the open. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, good luck to them. Adeptus Mechanicus getting a buff that I think is well-deserved and some points changes. I still think they're going to need a few things. I actually think the Adeptus Mechanicus, apart from... Sorry, excuse me. The Rad Saturation army-wide ability, I think, is not amazing. But there are certainly armies with worse abilities. But I think their defensive and offensive um, reshifting style is actually quite cool. So I'd like to see them come up a little bit more. Uh, but I think that's a positive change for the direction of that army as well. Yeah. Now, on to a big one. Oh, I think there was so much speculation about what would happen with this this particular stratagem. The best stratagem ever printed in the game. <laughs> by far, I think. Uh, Aldari changing Phantasm to infantry only. That's uh, quite... I mean, obviously it's a good change, but did it go far enough, Vic? Um, I think, still think it's the, the best stratagem in the Aldari Codex. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I think it has some very interesting effects on list design and kind of how Eldar play. And I think it feels a little less oppressive now because let's say you're playing against Eldari and they have a mixture of these monsters like the Yunkarn, some vehicles and etc. Mm-hmm. You can kind of set up to shoot an infantry model but still maintain your line of sight to one of the vehicles. Mm. So even if the, you know, the infantry unit phantasms to safety, you still have a target, so it doesn't feel quite as bad and, a, mm-hmm. and as oppressive. You at least have an option where you can kind of manage to hit a target you want to. Yep. Um, but still, extremely powerful stratagem. I would have loved to have seen them go to 2 CP on this or hit the Wayleap with CP regen, just yeah. in order to make CP a bit tighter for Eldar. Yeah, the... Uh... This change, I think, well, obviously, obviously it's a good change and it's a step in the right direction. One thing I think it does is it, it, it actually allows you to focus on, okay, this unit can, fan, like, these three units can phantasm rather than their entire army, you know? Like, usually some of these armies, like Aldari, might have one or two th- particular units that are prevalent, like they might have Wraithguard, for example. And it, it makes it a lot easier to be like, okay, at least I only have to think about them phantasming two units here, right? Like, And then you can kind of work around that, okay, then set up your plan. Whereas previously it was like, well, they could phantasm this Nightspin or they could phantasm the Farseer or the Incarn, right? Um, so, mm-hmm. uh, well, well, the Wraith Knight obviously is what it used to be. Uh, so, yeah, good change for the game. I think the Autark Wayleaper was a big miss in terms of not getting nerfed. Now, he did get nerfed 15 points, I think, right? Oh, no, more than that. I think he was got it? nerfed 35 points. So he got 30, pretty, oh, right. pretty heavy points. But he's 115 now. or something like that, right? 115 now. Yeah, so he's, which is... 
he's still one of the best loan operatives in the game <laughs> and he has one of the best cp regens like if yeah. not the best one because you don't have to do anything he just gains you cp for a very low price yeah. it's a great package still and i think he'll make his way into pretty much every list yes yeah i still think he's too well i thought he was 100 points starting obviously and then uh <laughs> he's very cheap uh, obviously before. he was 80 before oh my lord he's even got an assault gun which is uh extremely good for doing secondaries as well so it's got it all anyway. Uh, Death Guard getting a, a huge amount of changes. Um, I'm not a Death Guard expert, so I won't speak on that, but I think it's good to see that they've reworked the core mechanic here into something a lot more powerful uh, where you can worsen saves, weapon skill, ballistic skill, and what like that. So hopefully that brings Death Guard up a lot. Uh, and then there's a few, Dave. I mean, rather than going through all of them here, I think there's, there's a few armies, particularly, which have come up from, from the ashes. Mm -hmm. And I think Death Guard is one of them. But mm -hmm. the other one, which I really want to talk about, <laughs> is Leagues of Otan. Oh, I see, yep. Because, um, you know, Leagues of Otan have been so bad <laughs> since, uh, since the index has dropped. <laughs> but they've had a suite of changes, including point changes, that allows them to actually function pretty well. Um, mm. The Sagittars are priced to move. The Hearthguard, uh, which are the Terminator guys, they have 30 Volkite shots and then 10d6 um blast shots coming yeah. out of their backpacks with a stratagem for sustained hits too and now very easy access to plus one to hit and wound mm -hmm. um and these guys deep strike rapid ingress their output is perfect for the meta that we're sitting in because the mm -hmm. volkite is devastating wounds and the high volume is perfect into the potential hordes and necrons that we might mm -hmm. see in the meta so i think we've got to keep an eye out for leagues of otan because they can build a very strong list with is quite intuitive to list build Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, in um, LGT, we've got 22 Votan players, which is which is a lot more than it would have been before the balance data slate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, like I completely agree. And this is a great example of some of the armies that have really risen up. So it's not as I think what's been typical of most balance data slates is that it's just been a top down nerf approach, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really good as a package. This balance data slate is so much more comprehensive. And I suspect, and I don't know this for sure. Uh, but I suspect that's maybe connected to the new role that they advertise for match gameplay balance. Uh, and if that is, then I think it's worked out great. Um, and another army I think has really shown up is Tau, of course, right? So Vic, yeah. a bit of a Tau man himself. Uh, just points cost reduction for that, right, Vic? Oh, yeah. Lots of points. So no mm. rule change. But actually, Tau were on the cusp of being a good army anyway. Mm. Um, I think their win rate was very deceptive because... Mm. If you built optimally and played decently, you actually have quite a strong army before. But mm -hmm. they took heavy points drops, like extreme, to the point where now you have an army which just has a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Tau has huge volume of output from Crisis Suits, which were probably their best unit before. Mm -hmm. And they got a big points drop as well. So um, I'm very interested to see how Tau do. Tau are one of the two armies which have absolutely shot up towards the top of the meta in terms of representation. Yep. Um, at the LGT, we have Tau Empire sitting there as the fifth most popular army with 6% of the field. And just above them, we have Chaos Space Marines. Mm. Now, Chaos yeah. Space Marines is a funny one, right? If it's, it, it's an army which is actually really good before. Yeah, it's... It, you, it's it's a well i think this is another good example of actually they've changed the army in the right direction because they've actually identified okay the oppressive parts of chaos Space marines were probably the forge fiends and the obliterators and the amount of shooting that you could get especially with the full rerolls and whatnot uh and then what they've done is they've got okay we'll increase the points in that so there's i don't think there's been any 
fundamental changes to Chaos Space Marines realistically, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but then what they've done is they've actually just reduced the cost of all the melee stuff. So another good example of where they've actually taken a top-down approach of nerfing and then increasing um, the viability of some units. And actually the Chosen Lord, like I mentioned, was the one that benefits probably the most from the stratagem, the free CP, right? So mm -hmm. actually that's still basically functionally the same as it used to be. Because the battle tactic one for full rerolls to hit and wound, I think, is a uh, was a battle tactic. I think off the top of my head, yeah. Uh, and it's quite a good character anyway. So I think that army is fantastic. I think that it's such a more diverse army. You know, it's um, it's got melee, it's got shooting, it's got speed. So yeah, an army to watch out for is um, one of the top picks of the the armies for I me. I mean, we saw at WTC Alexander Sacco bring multiple units of chosen in yeah. rhinos with the Chaos Lords, and he did very very well. Mm -hmm. And I think even if there were no points changes on them, we would have seen chosen and Chaos Lords become a popular part of the meta. But they got points drops as well in, on the rhino, on the Chaos Lord, and on the chosen. Yeah, uh, the right. Yeah, and the untargetable rhino, the Nurgle, is uh, one is very oh, yeah. Helpful and as well. you can have units with different marks inside yeah. a different mark transport. So, oh, brilliant! That's an interesting one. I think they should change that. Um, which is a which would be interesting one because I do think Chaos Priest Marines are maybe a bit too strong. Uh, but so, you know, we won't get that. I won't. I won't. I won't. Uh, I won't CSM are a weird one. They have incredible yeah. army rules. Um, like Eldari, you know, Eldari, the free hit roll, wound roll, mm -hmm. that's that's guaranteed to be good. But yep. CSM take it to another level because the ability to just turn on sustained hits on fives, lethal hits on fives, combat and shooting is yep. very, very powerful when you can do it on demand and it ramps up the output of everything. Yep. Even a lowly cultist can start doing lots of damage if, if mm -hmm. you're not careful. I also think that the Dark Pact mechanic in general is a bit of a poor one from a gameplay perspective. Primarily because there's actually quite a bit of admin overhead and people forget them all the time. Uh, so anyway, that's another gripe. But my <laughs> faction I played at WTC got nerfed into the ground. Unironically, Death Watch were nerfed more than any faction in the game. Ouch, yeah. Uh, they basically got nerfed into oblivion because the free strat is gone. You can't overwatch anymore with Desolators. Desolators got nerfed into the ground. Uh, and then on top of that, they decided, hold my beer, that's not enough. We're going to nerf all the best stratagems for this army uh, so they can only work on bolt weapons. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's a bit of a sad one. <laughs> I, don't think, I think Death Watch were kind of a fun army. Uh, in the meta, you know, they, they, I don't think they were particularly powerful uh, with it, which way you cut. I think Death Desolation Marines in those moments was a bit uninteractive, so I think that was a good one to do. But nerfing all their bolt pistols and stuff, I think was probably a bit too far, considering the, the strength level that they were at. But that's the way it is. So, uh, I mean, a lot's changed. And maybe we should segue this right into the meta representation for LGTVIC. Yeah, there's there's a few more armies that we can talk about as we go down oh. this list. Oh, I forgot, I forgot about a big I one, mean, didn't I? Yeah, we can oh. do it. It's, it's coming up, man. It's right up there. It's very popular. <laughs> so, um, I mean, the most popular army at, at the LGT is Adeptus Astartes. Now, in terms of individual um, faction within the Adeptus Astartes, overall, there's 17% of the field, but mm -hmm. really the most popular one is Dark Angels and Black Templars. Yep. Um, they sit at approximately 3 to 5% of the meta. So mm -hmm. they're kind of sitting in the middle, Dark Angels sitting slightly more towards the top in terms of representation. And it does feel like those two are coming out as the strongest Space Marine factions following mm -hmm. the balanced data state. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so Dark Angels being... Well, I think this is also a symptom of Death Watch. So I think if Death Watch wasn't nerfed, you would probably see them at that Black Templars mm -hmm. level, perhaps. Uh, but yeah, Dark Angels having that pivot straight into, well, not even a pivot, it was obviously good at WTC, uh, and then going straight into the Deathwing Knights. 
they do line up well against a lot of armies. They line up well against uh, Necrons, which I'll talk about in a second here, purely because they have a big brick with a lot of output. But <laughs> a lot of these Marine armies do suffer in against the best army in the game right now, which is Aldari. And yeah. I think particularly a unit like the Night Spinner and the Incarn shut out the Marine armies very, very well, which is it's a tough spot to be in as a Marine player, I think particularly because the Night Spinner has such an uh, oppressive um, amount of play against your army. So, yeah, we'll have to see how it goes. This, these Black Templar lists have kind of sprung up. Uh, I know that the French team at WTC were also playing them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's the Crusader squad, I think, with 5-up and Bun that deals so much damage. And I think the reason why this is pop- these two armies are popular is, well, in large part, because I think Necrons were scaring people a lot more than, I think, uh, they should have been doing so an interesting kind of meta triangle forming there where because of the perceived strength of necrons a lot of the meta has warped around that i think yeah uh, i mean you've hit on the key point about this meta maybe we should incorporate into the title in some way hmm. this is absolutely rock paper scissors it's going to feel like rock paper scissors all the way through our discussion down here hmm. because the Deathwing Knights, they're going to be great in this meta. And then you face a Night Spinner and then it starts getting really difficult. And mm. Eldari do provide a kind of a, a answer within the Rock, Paper, Scissors equation to quite a few different armies. And mm-hmm. a lot of it is because of the Night Spinner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Eldari sit as the second most popular and technically the single most popular uh, army in, um, in the LGT with yep. 70 players, which is 9.3%, which is quite a bit more than the next one down which is yeah so eldari is still extremely popular but i think it's going to be very interesting to see how eldari do i think they come out of uh, the balanced data slave very lucky to have not been nerfed more than they were yes yeah i think a lot of their special rules their strongest rules have been left intact uh without completely mm-hmm. nerfing them but they have been nerfed to an extent and in particular the rape knight being nerfed means that while the army is still incredibly strong, I still think it's fairly forgiving as well. The fire and fade phantasm mechanics are very forgiving. The mm-hmm. small unit count can also be quite forgiving at times, especially with these rules. Mm-hmm. But I think the 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 floor of skill that you need to achieve a, kind of the success that Eldari were achieving before has gone up a lot. You, yeah. you, you need to actually be a decent player. Mm-hmm. and understand your strategy and the core mechanics of the game in order to achieve a good result. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that with the win rate of Eldari just progressively dropping down each week. Mm-hmm. The play yep. rate is still extremely high, but the win rate is going down. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the balance between those two change because it's 53% win rate this week, but I, I'm convinced Eldari are much better than that. Yeah, so I think Eldari will have the highest T-Whip. Uh, out of any uh, faction there is. Mm-hmm. So to a tournament in winning position, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think after rounds two and three, I think you'll see the representation of them skyrocket uh, as well. Uh, you know, I think I've complained about the Night Spinner in like the last four episodes. So, uh, <laughs> you know, given the fact that some people were taking three, I think, you know, maybe some... some... Who? I don't know who would do that. <laughs> uh, I think maybe just goes to show how good they are, how good of an answer they are, which is, um, it's a little bit of a shame because I think that one was very obvious. If, yeah. you've, uh, if you've played the game a lot. So, oh man, we got to go into this discussion at some point, don't we? Let's do it, man. Necrons. All right. So there's a there's a big backstory to this whole thing. Uh, prior to uh, going to Greece, so I basically had this period where I wasn't going to be able to play Warhammer for basically a month. And that was going to encompass right when the balance data slate was happening. And 
there was one rumor that was going around and full preface we we have absolutely zero access to any um you know this is going to be in the rules change or anything like that we don't know a single thing so but there were some rumors floating around and i think most people guess that a change to devastating wounds is probably going to happen it's been the most singularly complained about rule uh, in the game uh, maybe phantasm is more but it was pretty obvious that i think the mortal wounds weren't going to spill over because that's what made it super broken so uh about a week before the balance data slate dropped i was practicing 40 necron warriors <laughs> uh and because i thought that's that army was gonna be really strong lo and behold the balance data slate drops and i'm kind of thinking well wow, this is fantastic because i've managed to get a good amount of practice in with this army uh and 40 necron warriors still looks pretty good later on i changed that to 10 20 warriors 10 lich card but the fundamental concepts of the army was still very similar so i was in greece at least happy that I would, I would have an army that I've got a lot of practice on already, uh, ready to go for LGT and ready to be prepped. Uh, now, I think I probably, I don't know if I played against our teammates the most, but uh, I think there were like countless <laughs> games where it was me and then the entirety of Ignite team cheering on whoever I was playing against beat <laughs> me on Necrons. <laughs> uh, now, what I would say is my Necron win rate was quite good. Uh, and I think Necrons are, are a very good faction. But I don't think they're the right pick for this for LGT. Now, a couple, oh man, a couple of things on Necrons. They are, I think Necrons are a lot more difficult than people give them credit for. They are, in my experience, one of the more most nuanced movement oriented armies. Whilst they don't have a lot of movement, there you have to play very precisely. Uh, they're an army that can kind of collapse if you just play it brain deadly, as I found. Uh, so your movement and understanding of reanimations and nuances around coherency and scoring and list design in particular can make the difference between a good Necron list or an average Necron list that's probably just going to die to any Chaos Space Marines list that jams them and a Necron list that actually, if you play it flawlessly, will be able to kind of be the shield against the sword there. Uh, because I think most people in the meta have worked out if you jam against Necrons or if you play very aggressively against them, that's one of the tactics you want to do. And so... I guess it was probably, uh, oh, without a spoiler, I'm playing, uh, <laughs> I'm playing Astro Militarum <laughs> for LGT. Uh, but, you know, we, we were playing uh, a game on Friday uh, last week. So two days before this submission. And uh, I was playing against our teammate, Chris Radford, and I narrowly won with uh, Necrons. Uh, and which every game is just a narrow win with Necrons, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I, I, I was kind of thinking, and, and Brian Sight from our team actually said, you know, Dave, um, everyone's going to be thinking about Necrons and 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 every chat everywhere is talking about, oh, I've got this unit. How does it kill 20 Necron warriors? You know, so I think it's fair to say that the entire meta has been warped around this threat, this perceived threat of 20 Necron warriors. Now, the backdrop of this is that I also submitted Necrons for the LGT Invitational, mm. uh, which probably had some, I don't know, uh, <laughs> impact in that. But uh, but what I, what I kind of realized is that do you want to be in the position in a meta where you could play an army? And I think there would be a couple of good players on Necrons, but I think I would, hopefully, I would be the standout player to have as many reps as I did with them. And I played a lot, and I was very deep in the tank on them. Uh, and so would I rather be in that position where you've got a lot of people focusing on beating your army, or maybe just take something that is a little bit off meta and, um, you know, uh, could be good in the meta, right? It's a, di a different skew in a, in a completely different way. So... Yeah, uh, Friday night, I was uh, woke up Saturday morning and I was like, guys, I'm going to play guard. And awesome. <laughs> and Boris Mitchell uh, and our team said, you're going to have a fun 24 hours list building. So yeah, I was, uh, I'd already played a game, two games of guard before then. 
uh, no, I played one game of guard before them and it had gone well. Uh, I had spent the plane ride home looking at the points and I realized that actually if I constructed a list, it was 2,300 points pre-balanced data slate. So you basically get an entire Rogal Dawn for free, which is quite a lot. Uh, and then some of the key stuff really went down as well. So I was like, man, there might be something here. And uh, full disclosure, I love playing guards. So <laughs> I think it's probably the army that I'm maybe more, most known for. Uh, and um, I really enjoy innovating with it. So yeah, uh, 24 hours went by. I had uh, played a game that night and then I played a game Sunday morning. And uh, yeah, I just tried a bunch of stuff and I was really happy with the list I landed on. So before I do that, I might spoil the Necron list that I had developed. How about that? Yeah, well, maybe is it the same as your Invitational or no? No, no, no. Developed yeah. it a long way from there, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. So the problem with the Invitational guys is that you have to submit your list before the LGT deadline. And mm. I mean, I don't want to be too critical of it, but that kind of defeats... Ah, it's difficult because you're not going to submit your best list because obviously that'll be spoiled for LGT maybe. Uh, so what my list was, was... Catacomb Command Budge with a 4 plus Feel No Pain. A very good tool, I think. Really good for tank shocking, doing cleanse or doing homers while stuck in combat. A pain in the ass to shift. I had the Royal Warden. I had the Orican the Diviner. I had Emotech the Stormlord, which I loved. Fantastic model. Uh, plus one CP was insanely good every game. Uh, and then I had a Technomancer as well. So then I had 20, uh, 10 Lich Guard, 20 Warriors, 4 Crypto Throws. So I had 2, two Crypto Throws in each. Uh, then I had uh, Canoptic Reanimator and Ghost Dark. So I was playing Ghost Dark, the full 4-plus environmental package for the Warriors. Then I had two units of three Ophidians, which was fantastic because I was previously playing three units of three Ophidians, which are amazing. Went down 50 points. They can bounce every turn, <laughs> bounce every turn and give you melee counterpunch when your army gets gummed up in combat. Uh, then I was playing a unit of 10 Trike Praetorians uh, with pistols, uh, which I would couple that with the Sovereign Corona Hexmark which meant that I could deep strike with a nine, full range, full rerolls to wound. And that does eight mortals to a Yinkan on average. And then I was playing uh, another hex mark on top of that as well. And then I was playing uh, some other stuff. So that's kind of like the fundamental basis of the list. And um, I found it to be really powerful. It was a list that if your opponent makes mistakes, it can be very, very good against. And I was primarily playing deploy tellable homers and uh, storm hostile objective. So that was kind of the list, and I really wanted to submit that. But, you know, as we were doing a lot of the research, I was just watching some podcasts and stuff. And I watched, uh, I think it was Manny Chima and Ed Watts talking on a podcast. And they were like, yeah, these top seven units here, like, yeah, they all kill warriors. This kills warriors. This kills warriors. And I was like, man, how many, why are people focusing on this army so much? Because I don't actually think they're going to do that well, considering that Tau and Chaos Space Marines, Tau have a great game into them. And Chaos Space Marines have a very good game uh, if you're not practicing to it as well or a very direct game. So I think between those two armies, you know, seeing people focus on it even more than that, I think was a bit of a bit of an overfocus. I mean, Necrons are at 50, so 6.77, and it's yep. 51 people. That's the third, or the sec technically the second most popular faction at yep. LGT. So obviously a lot of people have jumped onto this idea, and considering how to beat it is very mm -hmm. important. Now, Necrons are the paper to Eldari's rock. Because Eldari have an incredibly tough time beating Necrons. Hmm. Um, and, you know, I think that's a big factor which probably played into this. And I think people, everyone's got it correct here. Because Necrons are popular. Eldari are popular. Taking Necrons makes sense. And trying to deal with Necrons makes sense. Hmm. Very, it's, it's really interesting. I actually thought people would kind of double guess themselves a little bit. And we'd see both of these factions being a little bit less represented than they are. Hmm. Yep. But it's worked out kind of just... 
normal <laughs> in a way. Yeah. So I'm super curious to see how Necrons do. Uh, I feel like they... I wouldn't be surprised if there's no Necrons in the top eight, personally. I mean, uh, if Necrons are paper to Eldar is rock, then the scissors which beats Necrons is Leagues of Votan and Tau. Leagues of Votan and Tau. Absolutely shred. Dark <laughs> Angels and Chaos Space yeah. Marines are all very good into them, I think. I mean, Chaos Space Marines still have to play, have to try hard in that sure. game. Um, maybe the Accursed Cultist builds are a little bit better, but mm-hmm. um, I know Votan and Tau, you can literally just shoot at whatever you can and yep. start running through Necrons. So, yep. yeah. As a guard would say, been there, seen it, killed it. um yeah so i mean obviously the meta is a lot better than what it previously was let's talk about some other factions as well we've got custodies at at one less than tau which is you know good representation for sure given the nerfs they copped tyranids at uh, 36 players which is 4.7 percent you know not overly surprising i don't think there was anything that really stood out the tyranid codex and i think it really struggles against some of the popular armies at the moment we were trying to break it as well but it does bode well to be honest in a way because i I think they've come through as kind of very middle of the field yes uh, but what i would say is that turnids is already a very popular army that many people own so if you add that modifier to it i think they're a little bit weaker than they when they i might potentially say the turns are not a popular collector's army really i think many people do not own turnids in the same way (laughs) they don't own orcs or gene stealer cult the aesthetic can be a bit divisive so hmm, interesting very interesting so i mean okay, the, yeah. the next two factions are gray knights and thousand suns yep and they're both equally represented there are 33 players for each this is yep. awesome for gray knights because gray knights got huge points drops yep. they already had a really good rule set mm-hmm. and i've heard a lot of people saying gray knights are great into eldari so with the changes to eldari no longer having the rate knight in there i think i can see that and, and i can see that um you know, Grey Knights might have a decent chance into the field. They have a mm-hmm. high volume of shooting, extremely good movement manipulation. Mm-hmm. They've got a, a, maybe a, one or two more units now in their army. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'll be interested to see how they get on. Mm-hmm. Um, Thousand Suns? Shall I, shall I do that one? Because everyone's yeah. been asking me about what, what I think about Thousand Suns. I think Thousand Suns got hit fairly hard for the particular type of build that, that I was using in WTC. Mm-hmm. Um, that build's become really popular. Loads of people started building it, and then you know the balanced data slate hits, and you get points changes across the list. Now, if Thousand Suns had dodged a points change, like and just taken the rules change to the mm-hmm. free stratagem, I think they would be in a very strong position. But the points change means that the list starts to constrict and get a little bit tighter. Mm-hmm. There's a point in Thousand Suns list building where you hit a good amount of cabal points. That's when you get over twenty. Mm-hmm. And you can start playing deep into the different tricks and rules that you have. Now, if you want to do that approach, you are going to be limiting yourself on number of units that you have on the board. Yeah. And I think the list just falls off. It just goes be, like below that critical mass of power mm-hmm. uh, needed to kind of consistently win against the best opponent. So I think it's still a very good army. But I don't think it sits right near the top of the meta anymore. But I really hope that, you know, a Thousand Suns player makes it all the way to the top eight. Can you imagine? <laughs> and we've got Dark Angels, Grey Knights, Thousand Suns, three factions all on 33 players. <laughs> kind of nice. Cool. Uh, and then so we've got, yeah, Astro Militarum there with 29, which is good because, you know, they got a buff, which is great. Uh, Orcs at 29, which I think maybe is a little unrepresented, you know? Always. Orcs are always underrepresented. They've yeah. been good for so long. Yep, and it just—it's just there's so few good orc players that are yeah. out there. 
Leagues of OTAN at 22 is definitely underrepresented. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that their power level is uh, quite a bit higher than that. That's going to shoot up, I think. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Imperial Knights at 17 is a pretty big drop-off, definitely. And then we've got Chaos Knights at 24 players as well, so 3.919, which really is understandable. Low. Yeah, but they're better than Imperial Knights, I think, right? Interestingly, Josh Roberts is on that. That's the, yep. um, a very, very good player. was the captain of Team England last year, and... You know, I think it's interesting that he's made that call. I think mm-hmm. Chaos Knights do can are going to catch people out a little bit. Definitely, people are not teching so hard into anti tank at the moment. Yep. Um, saying I that, uh, well, I, I was going to say yeah. if you go first and have a good run with Chaos Knights, I think they are a very good go first army for sure as well. Yeah, just sitting on the objectives, high OC. Uh, yep. They really catch all the firing lines once they get into position in the middle of the board. Yep. Uh, Chaos Demons took a hit as well, which was quite surprising to be in the points. Uh, mm. Not really sure why they went up in took points. Took a hit. Did they? Yeah, they went up in points. Lord of Change oh, went up, yes. Helical went up, Bloodthirster went up. And Shalaxi, yeah. yeah. Um, but they took some points drops in different areas. They suddenly become very, very good allies. Yes. Uh, because, you know, some units have got some nice points drops and the Blue Scribes escaped a points increase. Ooh, slippery uh, buggers. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the meta looking quite good. Aldari at the top. I would say if you were going to make a prediction of any two armies, Vic, that would win the LGT, what would you pick? Um, so this is the point where you start to get a little bit of an internal meta. Of because course. Team Ignite has been split half and half between <laughs> Eldari and CSM, which is kind of funny. <laughs> um, uh, and, and I was kind of sitting in between trying to decide, do I go for CSM? Do I go for Eldari? Yep. Uh, Liam VSL and Chris Radford have both gone for CSM. And yep. then uh, Brian Seep and uh, me, and then Yokel joined uh, us for building an Eldari list. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up going for Eldari. And I'm going to say that those two factions have the widest range of. I think CSM more than Eldari, to be honest. I think CSM literally have a game into everything in the meta. Mm-hmm. Eldari have a few bad matchups, but I think Eldari can can just kind of you have the tools to play yourself out of a bad matchup yep. if you play really, really well. So I, I still think Aldari are going to come out uh, alongside CSM as, as my front runners for who I think is going to make it to the end of LGT. Yep. Uh, and actually the exact same too for me as well. Aldari and Chaos Space Marines, I think, have the best chance at winning the event, not only because of the power of their factions, but the way they line up against everything else. And in addition to that, the players that took them as well. I think uh, the right players are on those right uh, two factions. Tau have got a chance, but I don't. I think Tau is going to hit very tough doors against the good CSM and Eldari players uh, later on in the event. Yeah, the the Eldari matchup is a question mark because mm-hmm. I, I think that's really tough when that starts to go wrong for the Tau players. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was looking at some of the event results for Eldari in America, mm-hmm. and Eldari did quite well at one the biggest tournament of last weekend, Ratcon, I think, something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I was looking through all the lists, and I was like, what? Like, why is it so different from what we run? They have just like no, like very few night spinners, um, loads of fire prisms and other stuff. And here in the UK, half of us have triple night spinner. Um, <laughs> the other half have two night spinners and then multiple units of dark reapers. It's just the level of indirect fire is huge. And what Tau do not want to see is night spinners on the other mm-hmm. side of the board, um, taking their um, crisis suit units down from eighteen inch movement down to ten is is just brutal. Brutal. Uh, absolutely brutal. And does that apply on the fire and fade as well? 
Uh, I, I don't know if it's... Uh, well, I think well, they fire and fade seven or six inches. So even mm. if at minus two, it, it makes no... It doesn't... Yeah. But a lot of times control. that minus, you know, because they're vehicles, means that they can't get around ruins as tightly as they'd want to. And you get an opening firing angle on them They, well, they so. need that 18-inch cold star movement. Without yeah. that, they really struggle to maneuver. Their drop turn can be great. Um, but the problem is Eldari have the kind of phantasm move to start limiting things. Yep. It, it starts to get real dicey in the mid game. It means you can't rapid ingress the suits, which is the biggest, is the strongest play for Tau, yeah. I think. If you rapid ingress them, they're going to get pinned down. Yep. Awesome. So I think that's a good segue into maybe what you're taking to the event, Vic. Yeah, mine's boring compared to yours, Dave. So I want to make sure you have lots of time for it. Um, but... I mean, people are a little bit interested in the fact that I am back to Eldari. I've jumped off Thousand Suns. Eldari are my favorite faction, and I was kind of waiting for... Is that true? Um, Out of every faction, I think T-Suns, Sisters, uh, Thousand Suns come to mind, and Eldari. Eldari is your favorite? Yeah, 100 is my my first army, my favorite army. I think I put Grey Knights as probably my second favorite army. And then Sisters, and then Thousand Suns. Um, So Eldari are my favorite, and, and I like moments where they're a little bit... Like, they're really strong, but not the best army in the game. Unfortunately, they're not quite there. I think they still are the best army in the game. Um, But I feel really happy to have my um, Eldari models out. Every time I play an army again, I add a few more details to my models. So they're (laughs) getting progressively a little bit better. Nice. And um, I'm bringing uh, quite a straightforward list um, on paper. Um, It has all of kind of the best things you you, want to see. I have triple Night Spinner, two units of Warp Spiders, one unit of six Shadow Spectres. That was a third unit of Warp Spiders, but a little bit of tech. We've added a unit of six Shadow Spectres to the list. I've got a Farseer on foot, a Spirit Seer with Fate's Messenger, who tacks onto a 10 Wraith Guard brick with Wraith Cannons. Mm -hmm. And I've got the Yinkarn, the Autark Wayleaper with the Phoenix Gem, and Fugan, who's kind of like a second Phoenix Gem. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a nice, simple Eldari list. So um, it doesn't have very many units now, um, but every unit is kind of impactful and synergizes very well with each other. It yeah. plays the mission really well. It holds primary a little bit with Wraith Guard. It has really good anti-tank because the Wraith Guard are still excellent at that. Mm-hmm. It's very good in a passive game. And you've because... gone for the 18-inch range guns. On the I have. I've gone for the yep. Wraith Cannon. Okay. So I've gone for the direct anti-tank. Yep. Um, there was an argument to be made for the 12-inch um, kind of D-sides. Uh, but, I mean, it, it's a, it's a toss-up. And then we all... So me, Yoko, and Brian all have pretty much identical lists mm-hmm. submitted. And we've all gone for the Wraith Cannons. Yeah, so I think if you're playing 20 Wraith Guard, playing one with the 12, one with the 18 is a nice, uh, a nice way to play the game there. Um, yeah, but yeah. So it talked to me, Vic, about the difference between three night spinners and two night spinners because I think that's a breaking point for a lot of people where they want to decide taking the list. But if I'm not correct, you know, the third night spinner amplifies your ability to launch the Incarn like quite considerably, right? Yeah, it does. I mean, there's two benefits because for for my particular playstyle, I'm I'm not a naturally aggressive player. Hmm. I like if I look at a board state, Brian will go right. How can I like push my army into their face? Mm-hmm. And um, like, you know, can I expose multiple, and same with Liam, can I expose multiple units in a way where I'm like progressed up the board, but the opponent can't deal with everything and then I just win the game and yep. it's a big win. My way tends to be, can I do a little bit of damage or clear a section of the board without being interacted with back? Mm-hmm. So yep. I'm playing a lot slower across the game. The opponents may be ahead of points for a period of time. And then at the end of the game, I start to catch up a little bit uh, once they run out of resources. 
And the triple knight spinner really fits my playstyle in this case because Eldari naturally have a fire and fade mechanic. They have very fast um, uh, kind of infantry models. The warp spiders being able to move 24 inches means you can kind of go, okay, here's this point on the board. Two units of warp spiders and three night spinners are all targeting one area of the board. Mm-hmm. That area is cleared. The unit of warp spiders, I just use fire and fades. The other unit, phantasms to safety. And then they're just not doing anything. Um, if you want, you can shoot um, the Yinkan with minus one to wound, who's on the side. Uh, and if you go really aggressive and kind of like kill something in another part of the board, the Yinkan will teleport there and set up position. So there's just really passive ways of playing the early game, which I love having triple night spinner for. If you want to drop one of the night spinners or two of the night spinners, you start adding much more tech pieces to the list. You can add a second Wraith Guard Brick, which is what Nassim's gone for. Mm-hmm. You could go for a way that Clem's gone for from Dice Down, where he's added in kind of a couple of units of Dark Reapers, uh, a couple of units of Crimson Hunters. Can you believe? That's, that's the plane. That's the anti-fly plane. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just kind of spread the list out a little bit more. The Night Spinners are still expensive at 180, and that can add up to two units very easily mm-hmm. um, if it's removed from the list. So... I agree with you that a big thing is that you can activate the Yinkan, but I also love that it just opens up a really passive playstyle. Yeah, yeah, and um, that arm is great because you can play passive or you can play aggressive, right? Uh, yeah, fantastic, mm-hmm. uh, really good. List. What were some of the other interesting options that you thought were in Aldari that maybe once the LGT list dropped that you were like, oh, that's an interesting choice, or was there anything you overlooked, or did you guys pretty much think cover all bases when you were doing your list design? We we were jumping around a lot because we were very yeah. focused on the twenty Necron warriors. Yep. and the solutions that Eldari have to that problem. So um, there's a there's a funny <laughs> night, by the way, guys, where, <laughs> where uh, I think I played Yokel, and uh, it was <laughs> it was Vic, Brian, and Yokel against me uh, playing Necrons versus Eldari. And after the game, uh, we were chatting about, you know, what can you do and all that stuff? And then uh, I was like, no, that doesn't work. Oh, that doesn't work. And Brian said, stop being so flippant, David, and actually offer some <laughs> constructive feedback. And then I told them how to win. Uh, after yeah. that so so um, we have a secret tactic from dave that actually does work in the necron game yeah. uh it requires like really good player skill to play it through to the end of the game um you still and and you especially against a good necron opponent but there's definitely a part where even against extremely hoardy armies eldari can still play out and negotiate a small win yep um but it it requires a lot of skill and i think that's where um kind of eldari might fall apart a little bit in some unlucky matchups mm-hmm. like if you hit what manny chima's running with a bunch of accursed cultists and oh he is he's a nightmare with his army selection mm-hmm. um stuff like that you hit a horde and you're like okay oh my god what do i do let me just run into them and see what happens mm-hmm. you're probably going to lose that game and i think a lot of people will even if they're on eldari mm-hmm. um so it'll be interesting to see uh how kind of the tactics that you've helped us develop dave uh help in the the tough matchups for eldari yeah, and you know what's great? Um, hearkening back to Necron, because I, I actually really do like Necrons. Uh, you know, it was that every game we played, I actually found lots of small little things I could do a lot better. And there were some mm. quite big revelations that I realized, actually, oh, if I did this, that means that even if you did that, I would still get to this position here, which which um, goes through. There are lots of layers uh, to an army like Necrons, I think, which is going to be interesting to see how people do. Okay. Let's do it, <laughs> Dave. What are you bringing to LGBT? All right. Uh, you know, so I can't really resist an opportunity to play guard, if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> I think about my guard tournaments. Uh, I won Southampton uh, innovating the uh, first guard list to win a Super Major. And then uh, I won. Oh, I came second place at Warmer Fest playing my ridiculous list. 
And then uh, yeah, Birmingham, uh, we won that as well with my ridiculous list. And so I've always had a passion. And and the reality is, is that I have a Rogel Dawn that I spent like 16 hours painting. So <laughs> <laughs> when, I saw, when I saw the 25 point decrease on that, I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'll play that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so a large part of it was you know, army availability as well, because I wanted to I wanted to play something I obviously had as well. Uh, so I've got Thousand Suns, Tyranids, Admech, um, Marines, Guard, and Necrons. Uh, oh, they're getting up there. And I think of those factions, Guard were definitely the one that I realized after looking on the Played Ride Home and building lists that actually no one's probably going to be really thinking about Guard. And actually the list build is entirely different from the previous style of guard list that you would build, uh, which is two very big positives, right? Because people won't be experienced playing against it and they won't be thinking about it because it didn't previously exist. Uh, not like Necron Warriors where they did previously exist and people sort of saw the devastating wounds change and knew that they would already be strong. It was quite an easy jump to make. So yeah, I've gone with guard. Uh, and I'll just run through the list really quick uh, because this list, I think... It's pretty optimal, but there's a couple of points I might think about changing if I was going to do it again. So, uh, Gaunt's Ghosts. I don't know why they went down 15 points, but uh, at 100 points, you would I mean, you would still play them 115. So, God knows why they went down. But, um, okay, you're going to play Gaunt's Ghosts. They're really good. They can bounce every turn. They do your secondaries. They have Stealth, so they're minus one to hit. Lone Operative, so they can't be targeted outside 12. They can order themselves. Uh, they have Fights first. What? <laughs> like... Even if you look at it on paper, Gaunt's Ghosts have a six model unit with only one character. Uh, so they have 10 wounds on the five guys with two wounds each, and then three wounds on the main guy. So you're at 13 wounds there for 100 points. Like, uh, okay, I'm going to admit, I think that unit's a bit too powerful, um, but it sits inside a weaker codex in general. I am playing Lord Solar Leontis. Uh, he gives you one CP, and surprisingly enough, I've actually found the redeploy quite good. Uh, despite it being a pre-roll-off redeploy, uh, like they all are, well, mostly all are nowadays, I've actually still found it quite good because you have so many drops in your army that you can actually, and most armies are playing like kind of big centerpieces, so you can see where they put their centerpieces and then rearrange where your gun lines are going to be and the corridors that you're going to need to see and the angles that you're going to need to see. So despite the nerf, uh, obviously it's better if you know who goes first, but despite that, I still think it's quite good, which... In general, I think is a positive uh, thing for that mechanic because mm -hmm. it is very strong when it's after the roll-off, but I still think it's good uh, pre-roll-off. Now, the big boys that went down a lot. Three tank commanders, baby. Uh, these guys got so much better. I mean, they already had a great data sheet, but they went down, I think, 35 points from 240 to 205. Now, that all of a sudden, I think, is a really competitive data sheet and a meta that is not going to be thinking about them. So some of their main benefits are they've got a two-up base save, which means they're taking one-ups in cover because Pop Smoke is like one of your best stratagems, ironically. Uh, and then they're at tier, tier 11, 13 wounds. Now, that's a pretty hard chassis for many armies to shift off the bat. If you think about Forge Fiends, for example, at strength, I believe they're strength 10, uh, they're wounding tank commanders on fives. Okay, great. And you've got access to minus one damage, which is really good too. And then, you know, you can't blast into them as well. So you're just rolling the number of shots you get here. Uh, but on top of that, they've always gotten uh, the guard codex has changed. Like many things, they get all the free war gear. So, uh, you know, at 205 points, you get the two military and plasma cannons, which is great because in the previous codex, you paid 20 points for that upgrade. So that's just baked into the data sheet now. And military and plasma cannons are pretty good into a meta that is kind of haughty. Like, 
They're good into Tau because it's uh, eight minus two, two, and you get a free blast there into the crisis. Uh, they're good into Necron Warriors. They're good into Chaos Space Marines. Uh, you know, still fine into Aldari. They got 36 inch range. So all in all, I really like those. Uh, I've gone with the Laz Cannon as well, and I've gone with the Executioner Plasma Cannon as the turret weapon of choice, or the non-turret weapon of choice, uh, because that doesn't exist anymore, because uh, it's AP3, uh, Strength 8, Minus 3, Flat 3, and there's nothing better at picking up Wraith Garden Chosen than AP3, Minus 3, Flat 3 Blast as well. So uh, all round, I think, oh, I've got the Hunter Killer Missile as well, which everything gets now, which is a nice bonus. But if you look at this profile, you've got a... D6 plus 3, 8 minus 3, 3 uh, cannon, uh, blast. You've got a heavy stubber, which is 6 shots at 18-inch range. 2 blast weapons at 8 minus 2, 2. Then you've got a Laz cannon and a hunter-killer missile. So you've got, on one chassis, you've got something that's good at killing tanks and something that's good at killing blast or hordes. And you've got something that's good into stuff like Chaos Space Marines at the right profile. So, yeah, it's it's a really well-rounded um, uh, way to run that. I know some people run the Demolisher cannon which I think is an interesting choice. It's a 24-inch range, which is, uh, you know, on paper, it's a little bit better if you're within 24, but a lot of these armies can close 24 inches, which is a problem. So you really, like, like all good guard players, you want to be playing the longest angle at the max range possible. So I've gone with the Executioner Plasma Cannon for that case. So, nice. uh, Tank Commander. As you can see, I'm quite passionate about Guard. <laughs> you are. <laughs> uh, so that's three Tank Commanders. Uh, you've got my access to minus one damage, which completely rinses Tau. Uh, that matchup is very good for you. Uh, then I've got two units of 10 mighty Katachan jungle fighters. Now these guys went down five points, 55 points for 10 guys, two flamers, and they have a Vox caster, uh, which is good. And they have scar move six. So Katachan jungle fighters and the Chimera went down. I think the Chimera went down 15 points. Katachan went down 10, uh, five points. So, uh, 10 jungle fighters and a Chimera runs you a buck 25, which is pretty cheap because the chimera has firing deck two as well so you can put four flamers in there or you can just park your chimera pre-game move at six then you've got units that move nine out of that and can advance and are oc2 and can move block people's armies so that's really good now i've made a little decision here. it's a bit of an optimization i haven't got any squad that goes with my leontis but in a matchup where my opponent has lots of indirect and they might kill leontis i can put the ghosts as to best of my knowledge i'm going to double check this after the podcast could put the ghosts in the chimera and i can attach leontis to the jungle fighters if i think he gets in danger but he's not a very good um target to shoot with all your indirect anyway so i'm not too worried about that uh next up we've got a squad that i've been quite impressed by the bulgren squad now they went down in points so there were 160 points here and i've gone with three stab shields three brute shields now what this means is that these so these guys got a lot better uh they are toughness six uh and you strap them with a four up in one or, and you can order them to be a three-up base save with Leontis as well. Uh, they move six, but with the new move, 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 you can make them move nine, just flat nine base, which is a pretty um, good distance gap cover. The best part is they're minus one damage natively, and they're also have a six-up feel no pain. So if you look at a Forge Fiend, for example, or Obliterators, they have a nightmare at killing Bulgrins because you've got a four-up invun on the three-wound guy, and it takes two, and he tanks two shots when he fails to, so he likely tanks three shots from a Forge Fiend as well. So a Forge Fiend kills like two and a, one and a half Bulgarin or two maybe. So they line up really well. And, they, and they, you know, a lot of these melee um, components that have damage two just go straight down to damage one. Uh, so they're really good at slowing the game down, allowing your shooting pieces to operate. Alrighty, uh, onto the vehicles. This is, <laughs> this, is, this is a list and a half, man. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is really good. So um, Night Spin is really good. 
because they slow stuff down. So take two basilisks. Uh, basilisks are still really good. They didn't get hit by the points increase, which mm-hmm. is good because you primarily want to pay, play them for the slowing. Now, their slowing's arguably it's a little bit better than the Night Spinner in some regards because it can slow the advance charge and the movement by two, which is a total of six. So if you've got a unit that wasn't going to advance and charge, it's slowing them by four rather than two on the Night Spinner. Um, but you know what? It's It holds your backfield objectives. It can slow down. So against like Cal Space Marines, for example, you know, hit the Chosen, hit the Warp Talons, minus two, means that they can't close the gaps that otherwise a lot of these people have designed their list around to do, um, which is fantastic. Because you've also got the opportunities to pop these Rhinos, and then you can shoot what's inside of them as well. So two Basilisks. I went with one originally, but then I bumped it up to two after thinking about how popular maybe Tau uh, and um, Chaos Space Marines were going to be. And great against Necrons too. Slow down the Lich Guard. It also gives you just a little bit of attrition. They're actually like yep. scarily efficient at shooting. Yep. <laughs> it's because all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, they're hitting on twos, re-rolling ones. And I'm like, well, hold on, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so two Basilisks, great. Next up, the new boy on the block, Lehman Russ Eradicator. Now, I had 160 points and I was trying to decide what variant of the Lehman Russ I was going to take. What I ended up, so originally I was playing the Vanquisher because I was like, Vanquishers are kind of good because you get 155 points, you get the two plasma cannons, and then, you know, you basically strap a whole bunch of war gear to it for free on a chat, and it's the same chassis. That's kind of good. But the Eradicator is kind of bad against Eldari because if you do shoot up, oh, so the Vanquisher is kind of bad against Eldari because you, you shoot your Vanquisher and they just save it with a dice, which is terrible. So I went with the Eradicator, Eradicator because. I wanted something that I could play a bit more aggressively and maybe from outflank. And if it got tagged in combat, I wasn't going to be too worried about it because the uh, Eradicator Nova Cannon doesn't suffer the penalties for shooting in combat. And what that means is that and it also ignores cover. So it's 7 minus 1, 2. It's 6 plus D3. So it's a bit more consistent and it ignores cover. So it's effectively AP2. Um, so still a really good profile. You can play it a bit more aggressively. Uh, and then it's got the two plasma cannons, Hunter Killer Missile, Laz Cannon there as well. Uh, so I like that variant. 160 points. You could play another unit of Bulgren, which I think is interesting. But when I put nine, when I put two units of six Bulgren on the battlefield, I found that they were a bit difficult. They kind of took up the same spaces as each other where they wanted to stage. So I didn't think playing six was going to work out too well for me. So we got another another Eradicator, and that just puts more pressure on your opponent. Uh, Rogal Dawn. Here we go. The Rogal Dawn's good. Uh, what can I say? Uh, 260 points. It's like T12, 18 wounds, 2 up save. Uh, it's got 6 Meltica, six melter guns. I'm playing the 2 multi-melters, melt, uh, 2 melter guns, the oppressor gun and coaxial auto turret. Got the pulverizer cannon, the heavy stubber as well. Uh, it's OC5. And you know what? Oftentimes your opponent has to commit so much to kill it that if you put it in a position where it pressures your opponent to then have to click kill it, you get to counter-strike with your entire army. Uh, which is oftentimes one of the stronger parts about guard is that your chassis are very tough to kill and then you get to hit back at a much more um, and, and you get to trade up on the crackback, uh, which is the way I like to use them. And it can move 13. All your tanks can kind of move 13 inches uh, with the move command and then get angles as well. So, I mean, the chance of killing him on turn one, not fantastic. So um, as long as you've got the pieces that look into a spot that he was at, then you can kill people back. Nice. Uh, one Scout Sentinel. Now, I think Scout Sentinels are a bit of a touchy topic. I do understand that if you have a units of three, you can get them back with the reinforcements. The thing about it is, though, a good player will often whittle your Scout Sentinels down to just having one, and you're never going to be able to pop that. In addition to that, they give up Bring It Down a lot easier. And in addition to that, I'm playing Tactical a lot of the games, and I'm actually using, like, Pop Smoke, Minus One Damage, Fields of Fire, 
Uh, I'm using new orders, grenade strat. I'm using all of these things. Um, you know, sometimes just CP reroll if it's a, you know, maybe it's an obliterator into a um, uh, Lehman Russ and it might be a clutch thing, you know, reroll a save. Uh, all of those things are much more important, in my opinion, than to maybe situationally getting a reinforcement off. So I've just gone with the one. I've gone with the Laz Cannon variant with the Hunter Killer Missile because the plasma's all right, but with no rerolls, it's kind of crappy. So I'd rather just lob two, two big anti-tank guns on it and then just outflank it, spot something for my Basilisks, and then, you know, um, try and light something up once. Maybe kill an Autark while you leap it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I like that. I think that's the right loadout. Uh, and then, yeah, two Chimeras have gone with a Heavy Flamer and the Flamer. And with the Katachan Jungle Fighters, it does give you four Flamers, which is not bad. Uh, and then the pregame move. Uh, you know, they have a Hunter Killer Missile as well. So I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, uh, nine Hunter Killer Missiles in my army, which is basically nine once activation LAS cannons as well. So, yeah, it's um, it's really fun, man. Uh, the downside to the army is that uh, you give up Bring It Down. But I think a smart player often plays into, like I did at the previous list, they often play into your opponent taking Bring It Down, which actually means you can play a bit more defensive. And guard when you can play them defensively is really good because all of a sudden you can control all the movement in the board. Uh, and um, yeah, I found the playstyle to be quite similar to the one I, I previously played in Ninth edition. And um, yeah, it's really fun. Uh, it's, it's something that I just naturally gravitate to playing very well. I really enjoy looking at uh, lines, um, distances, um, outputs, and and whatnot like that. So, yeah, you, yeah you, back on guard, baby. <laughs> you, you're it's very naturally like the way you want to play. Like uh, yeah. that's what I've seen. Like you just kind of because you jumped into this list a little bit late in the kind of list decision sure. process because you were a bit busy. Um, but you just played your first game and you just like you were so hot with everything you were doing, <laughs> and that's the joy of playing an army which just suits you. So yeah, I I have really high hopes for you, Dave. Like, and I think a lot of people are going to be rooting for you. Yes, because of your army choice, much more so than if you'd gone Necron. <laughs> yeah, um, you're probably right. What I would say is, I will, I will make a public apology. Um, I tried my hardest to get Sly Marbo in the list. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> um, but at 65 points, he's just not. He just doesn't cut it. So bring him along. <laughs> yeah, I'll bring him along as my my bring token. <laughs> he can guard your uh, CP dice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I've I've been really enjoying it. Uh, it's been great. I've, I'm much more comfortable playing it than I am playing Necrons. It's got so much more play to it, and um, I think it's got a lot of play even into Aldari. I think it's got play, um, and certainly it's Cal Space Marines and stuff like that. So I, I'd say Aldari is probably the toughest game for yep. it, um, yep. it, it as part of this rock paper scissors kind of thing. Uh, but otherwise, I think it's a really good anti-meta pick. People mm. are not prepared to deal with this many vehicles mm -hmm. outside of the Wraith Cannon uh, Wraith Guard. Yep. And the Wraith Cannon Wraith Guard, I've seen them drop out of a lot of Eldari lists in the yep. LGT. Um, Nas is running 20 because he's mm -hmm. mad. Um, but otherwise, it's just the Ignite guys with 10 and then uh, like all the Dice Down guys have dropped uh, yeah. Wraith Guard. I think actually those, those uh, lists, I don't know, but those lists that have no Wraith Guard might be a bit scarier for me. Uh, particularly because oh, I have the Basilisk. Yeah, because I have the Basilisk to lock down the Phantasm, and then all of my damage outputs look very good into Wraith Guard. You know, um, Phantasm drops off before... Uh, I mean, uh, the, the minus movement drops off before Phantasm. Uh, but yeah, you, will, you will oh, stop yeah, their movement. Ah, but... uh, yeah. Yeah, because it's oh. before you shoot. Yeah. My game plan! Oh, all right. it's all gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Good to know, though. But... Uh, yeah, or maybe I'll just be plinking. I'll, I mean, that's good to know because maybe I need to go for some other assets. I'll have a chat with Vic after no, it's, what it's, I should be shooting with my best list. Uh, yeah, cool. just everything else. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Nice.
Um, yeah, so yeah, guard, really fun. Um, I get to bring all my well painted models as well, which I'm really enjoying and stuff like that. So yeah, good times. Nice, Happy <laughs> man. I'm I'm super excited. I've got the Yin Khan to paint. I've had yes. the Yin Khan for years. But I've never found a moment which was right to actually use her. Nice. So you heard him. I don't know. Because she's kind of half off. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm very, uh, very excited. So, yeah. Beautiful model. Nice. Should we, uh, do you want to chat, t- touch on kind of what some other players have been taking, for example? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think Manny Chima's list is extremely interesting, as it always yep. is. Um, he, he often, he has the ability to play like really switch to these very skewy kind of exaggerated armies because Mm -hmm. he can get access to the models and get them painted up and things. Mm -hmm. Um, but behind that particular ability is the ability to actually list build this nonsense. And Manny's gone for triple accursed cultists with Abaddon giving them a four of invuln. And then he's got three big units of normal cultists, uh, with, who are also getting the four up invuln. And then he's got two Forge Fiends and Abby walking in the middle of the, the army. Um, I think this is a super interesting kind of idea and list design. Um, and I'll be really interested to see how it does. If he hits the correct path where he, say, doesn't walk into like a bad Tau game or into Leagues of Otan, mm-hmm. I could see him really doing well. And I think he's going to punish a lot of Eldari players that go against him. Mm-hmm. Eldari are the most represented faction. Maybe he's he's done the right thing. Mm. I would be worried, like, I guess when, when we saw this drop, uh, being perfectly honest, I would be worried that this list catches a lot of the flack from Necrons because they are quite similar. And a lot of profiles that are very good into Necrons are also very good into this list. Yeah. So I think, you know, you're, whilst it is, you know, it's a great list and uh, it's an, uh, not, I mean, off meta is probably not the right description, but yeah, it's a great list. No one's probably played against it before. Uh, so there's those two big advantages, but the downside is that it does lean into a lot of what people were going to be taking for. Yeah. Um, uh, I, mean, I, I think the, brilliant. I think the, well, yeah, of course. Uh, but I think the Chaos Space Marine lists are also, you know, potentially good against that too, right? Just multiple Forge Fiends, a unit of 10 Chosen, uh, you know, Warp Talons. I mean, they deal, they hit really hard in combat too. It's also an army that requires very precise positioning. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I would, I'm always hesitant to take armies like this to a tournament which isn't WTC. I think mm-hmm. in WTC you can with the long rounds, mm-hmm. but this is an extremely hard army to play with in time. So mm-hmm. good luck to him. He's going to have to play rapid fast to mm-hmm. get through his games. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to see how that list does, though. Uh, I want to chat about Ennis Wilson. He's gone with Chaos Space Marines, which I don't think I've seen him play before, uh, which is cool. I'm sure he's played, obviously, but um, I don't think he's known for it, per se. Uh, Three Chaos Lords, Warpsmith with a mark of Zinch, which I think is uh, something that no one else It's the CPU regen. Remember I was using that in the testing? Uh, And um, yeah, we kind of dropped it because it wasn't point sufficient, but I kind of like it, extra CPU. There you go, Ennis. Uh, Vic already tested that one, mate. (laughs) Um, He's got the unit of 10 chosen, which I think is just a, you know, look, okay, Uh, 10 chosen do a lot of damage in one activation. Uh, So this is always fascinating me because you see these people that um, I was saying to our teammates before, and I was saying, break down those units of 10 chosen maybe because I don't think Necrons are going to be that popular once you get deeper in the tournament. Um, So 
a little bit of optimization, uh, I think. But yeah, so I think it's just an interesting choice when you see people take. So I'm going to say with the ten chosen, I think it is the correct choice because mm. the armor of contempt is still a battle tactic. Yeah, it's and true. Mm. There's there's a lot of times where having ten chosen means half of them die, and you're left mm. with five chosen in a chaos lord. Mm. And that kind of little bit of sustain, that ability to survive a round of shooting, Brilliant. is actually super useful because you can deploy in positions you otherwise couldn't. Yep, you could make them Nurgle though, and then. You should make them Nurgle. The output yeah. starts to get a bit questionable. Uh, oh, yeah, fair. Yeah. Uh, then he's got six obliterators. So you know four, you know two, uh, five warp talons, one forge fiend. Uh, so it's interesting. I think the forge fiend roughly swaps for the obliterators, basically, right? Uh, some people play two by two, two forge fiends. Ennis uh, uh, is playing one forge fiend and then four and two. So, yeah, interesting. I think, you know, this rough archetype of list is one of the most popular in the tournament, I think. This triple chaos lord CSM build with uh, rhinos with two Nurgling rhinos, of course, uh, is kind of the build. Um, and it's after that, it's more about are you doing six obliterators, or are you doing four, or are you doing three forge fiends, or are you doing two? Kind of um, where you go. I do have to say though, the um, innovation of taking Celeste uh, for the ignite build for chaos space. Did uh, did Innes have that? No. No. No, that's no, it. That was the secret think, tech. Uh, yes, we got I it think, in. I think that's a good one. Um, I think Celeste is brilliant for her points. So. Yeah. Should we look at... I was curious about what uh, Kyle Grundy is playing, and I was curious what you would think of the kind of Tau meta at the moment. Big Kyle. I mean, Alex Harrison's on Tau as well, so yep. is Alex Petford. We've got a few very good Tau players. Uh, kind of what was your... Th have, did you have any time to think about Tau, Vic, and kind of what you think you would have played in mm -hmm. relation to... How many broadsides versus how many crisis sort of thing? I would personally run zero on the broadsides, but okay. I think there's a huge amount of innovation that is possible mm -hmm. within Tau. Mm -hmm. I think Alex Harrison's got the most kind of like cookie cutter strong build. There's okay. a couple of cold stars, big units of crisis, one small unit of crisis, and then Tetras and Piranhas. That's right. I think... He's got the two man. He's got the two six man, hasn't he? Yeah, I think yeah. Um, building like that is is the most obvious way of doing it. It's very yep. strong, very optimized. But I think there's a level of list building you can do with Tau, which is going to become apparent over the next month or two. Um, I have a feeling there are still some very good units in there. I really like Sky Rays. I love Devilfish with Breaches. And it's just about finding the right combination of things to make the list tick. Mm. Um, it, it, do you need to run 663 on the Crisis? Do you run 633? Can you do MSU Commanders and be okay giving up Assassinate and bring it down? Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of options which uh, need to be explored in Tau. But... I think Alex also is running long strike as well. Oh yeah, he's got a long strike. That's pretty cool. So yeah. um, interesting. How about Kyle? Is there anything different in there? Uh, I think Kyle's list was quite standard. You know, he had uh, ghost two kills? units of. Uh, he did have a ghost kill. Yeah. So I was going to ask you about that actually. The ghost kill. Uh, I've seen people running to run two of them, uh, wanting to run one. Kind of. What's the story with that? It does I... seem like quite a difficult unit to kill. If I'm being honest. It's incredibly difficult. And I think I've seen uh, Richard Siegler running multiple ghost kills, mm -hmm. yep. uh, two, three ghost kills, and just holding the midboard. Yep. And I think that that can be really strong. What I would say is that on UKTC, your second objective can be often held by something a bit cheaper than a ghost kill. Yep. You just tuck something in behind the wall, tuck a piranha or a tetra behind the wall on that uh, kind yep. of your natural progression, yep. and that's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. um, the ghost kill is quite expensive still for the output it gives, and you could probably replace it for something more efficient in the list. Yeah, uh, Kyle yeah. has gone for the two by two broadsides, which oh, is interesting. You know, okay. I don't hate. You know, I mean, obviously, I, I'm playing guard now, so the broadsides are for me. But I think Alex uh, has got two broadsides as well. So I okay, I yeah, might be I think wrong he's got on two that. And one. Kyle has four, I think. 
Um, yeah, I, I just felt that the broadsides sometimes struggle to maneuver. Uh, even if they played out of strat reserves, they, they, you know, people are really wary about the line of sights and angles they can get. Yeah. Uh, but I do understand. I think there's there's a way in Tau of getting lethal hits, which I think is very important for dealing with tanks. The alternative, if you don't build into that, is to to build into broadsides. Yep. Nice. Uh, and then maybe we should. Uh, I was going to say Josh Roberts also went to Chaos Space Marines. I think it's is it thirteen Chaos Knights. Chaos. Uh, sorry, Chaos Knights. Is it yeah. thirteen or fourteen dogs with uh, the blue scribes and the changeling? It's it's either thirteen or fourteen. I don't know. It's just uh, it's one of those, isn't it? TJ <laughs> Hannigan <laughs> is coming with Gene Steeler Colt. So. Uh, oh really? He's coming That's from Japan to play. And uh, yeah, was there anyone else? Was there any Anthony Vanella? Oh yes, of Anthony. course. Anthony. Yes, let me. The legend. How about this? Because I've never actually read a world eater list before. So um, oh, I don't know what anything is either. I just think it's incredibly cool that That's he has cool. made a flip to world eaters, oh, traveling nice. halfway across the world to play at the LGT. Let's go! What an absolute hero! Because he obviously he played Chaos Space Marines at uh, at WTC, so mm-hmm. I think that would have been a natural jump for him as well. But uh, world eaters did go down in points. But starting off at the top of the list. Uh, and I did listen to this YouTube video, actually. It's <laughs> that at the top of his list here is the Barbie and Ken uh, song. It's kind of funny. Um, uh, Angron at 415 big ones. Yes. Come on, baby. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Khan the Betrayer, uh, Lord Avocado, uh, World Eater, uh, Lord on Juggernaut, um, Master of Executions, who I'm guessing still slaps. Jackals, Corn Berserkers, Corn Berserkers, uh, two Rhinos, a unit of eight bound, a unit of eight bound, and a big unit of eight bound. So... Yeah, I mean, it's 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 world leaders, I guess, right? It's cool. It's so yeah. cool. So, I mean, we all want to see Anthony do well. I hope he gets the easiest path, avoiding all <laughs> night spinners in his way, and uh, just progresses to the finals and wins the whole thing. Yeah, or if uh, you do hit a night spinner, Anthony, uh, I hope you just go first. Uh, yeah, I hope they leave it in strat reserves and forget to play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would like to chat on this list as well. Uh, now, uh, this player is in retirement right now. Um, I'm not sure how much he plays, but um, this player and I used to share lists. So uh, this is Melek. Uh, he is playing uh, Admech. And uh, looking at the uh, top of his list design, I uh, may be, uh, you know, maybe just chucking some stuff together. But uh, he's got, uh, he's playing Admech. He's got two Manipulus. Uh, and one, two, three, four, five, five units of uh you know differencing between uh vanguard and rangers units of 10 which i think are really good they went down in points actually which is cool uh a dune rider he's got a archaeocopter transvector uh, which if you don't know is the uh the the, the transport uh, plane. So cool. uh and then he's got a unit of corpuscari electro priests which um if i'm not mistaken also went down in points and have the jazz hands for the tesla and I think there's a strat where you can get like more AP or something, or you can put your army into more AP. I think you can put this in the Transvector, and then you can rapid ingress the Transvector in your opponent's turn if you go second, and then you can like move and get out because it's a transport. Uh, I don't know. That seems pretty sweet. <laughs> uh, six breaches with the uh, arc rifle and hydraulic core. From most of the admin lists I saw previously, the breaches were kind of the anchor, and then three Scorpius disintegrators because. Uh, I guess it's still Malik at the end of the day, isn't it? Go for some, <laughs> some indirect. But he's also got Lord Inquisitor uh, Kyria Draxus yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah, a Vindicare Assassin. So uh, that's a really sweet list. Um, and a Vindicare Assassin. Yep. He's just after my own heart. I, oh. I think there's probably some kind of level of kind of careful decision-making that's yep. gone into this list. Uh, but I also think it's incredibly cool to innovate to this level. So yeah. come on, Malik. 
No Rust Stalkers. What's, you know... Ah. I want yeah. LGT Final to be Anthony Vanilla versus Bad Radio. <laughs> that is what the people want. <laughs> um... Yeah, so those are the, I guess those are people I wanted to touch on, really. I mean, other, other than that, most of the meta is kind of playing lists that we described. Oh, I would like to chat about someone, actually, because I think this player is quite good. Uh, oh, it's not the list isn't coming up. Give me one second, guys, because I think this is a Grey Knight list, and this player does think about the game a lot, doesn't get to play necessarily, oh, but uh, it's very smart at the game. Uh, his name is Vincent Chan. Oh, Jan. Vince, yes. Uh, the best man at my wedding, actually, coincidentally. Yes. Uh, Vincent Chan on Grey Knights. Now, like you mentioned, Grey Knights got a lot better. Uh, and let's see what Vince is playing. What is he running? I want to he see. He has got Triple Librarian. Let's go, baby. Yeah, so the librarians uh, can basically throw off Doom Bolts, essentially. Yeah. Okay, D3 cool. plus three portals. That's probably a better access to killing tanks, I take it, right? Uh, yeah, so all three of them can focus down a tank. Nice. Uh, Castle and Crow. Nice. Drago, which I think gives you the plus two to charge, I think. Yeah, that's So it. you get a nice long charge with that. He's got uh, one unit of ten Terminators, one unit of five Terminators. A oh, actually, squad. Drago's a little worse in UKTC because they rule that when he uses Teleport Assault, which is the kind of jump up every turn, yep. he doesn't give his unit plus two to charge or plus three to charge or whatever it is. It's uh, only when he deep strikes. Ah, uh, oh, brutal. Sad. Uh, a unit of five Paladins, a unit of ten Purifiers, uh, an Eversaur Assassin, nice. Yes. A unit of Inquisitorial Henchmen, nice. <laughs> and uh, I guess this is um, the Dice Down special, Lord Inquisitor Kyria Draxus as well. So a sweet list as well. Um, I would love to play that, uh, get this game. Uh, <laughs> I think Kyria Draxus makes it so you can't be targeted outside of 18 inches. Nice. Uh, in, cool. Yeah, so uh, that's a cool little kind of pseudo loan up. Yeah. So yeah, if there um if there weren't any lists that you wanted to go through, Brian. Uh, sorry, Vic. Uh, I just saw Brian's name pop up. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty pretty content with that. Is anyone from our team that we haven't covered, or we're all just? I mean, Boris is running GSC. Yeah. So Boris, you know, he's a self-proclaimed only elite player on GSC. Sorry, TJ Lanigan. <laughs> uh, that is all sarcasm and jokes from Boris. <laughs> but he is an incredible player, and I'm very happy that he's playing something a little bit off meta now. Can you believe GSC's become off meta? Yeah. Um, and he's he's you know he's got a huge number of reps into that. I think uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how well he does because I have a feeling Boris is going to go a long way in this one. Yeah, Boris always does well, doesn't he? I was he watching him play at Bad Cafe today. Yeah, and I was saying, oh, you could do this, could do that. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing that. And I, and I was like, oh, man, this guy really knows his stuff. <laughs> he's also applied for Team England this year. We've got Chris Radford and Boris uh, applying for Team England. So, yes. um, you know, I think uh, this will be a great chance for both. Chris is running the CSM. Both A great chance for both of them just to show their, their real caliber. Yeah, of course. And they've been practicing a lot. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited for all of our team. Uh, we've been prepping a lot for this, um, and yeah, everything's been going really well so far. So that's kind of uh, the pre-LGT. I've got the Invitational with my scuffed Necron list, uh, which hopefully I'll be able to get work off for. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to LGT. It'll be a, it'll be a real blast. I need to get painting as well. This is awesome. I'm I'm so glad we could record this episode for you guys. Um, you know, if you have any questions, just ping us, drop us a message, Discord. We're always happy to chat with everyone. Yep. And uh, of course, leave a comment, leave a like. Make sure that we uh, yes. we can keep spreading out a little bit. We're um, really bad at that. <laughs> we are really bad at telling people to do that um, because you know, if you interact with us on the comments, we will kind of reply to your comments and questions. For sure. This has been what I think is episode 36. But if it isn't, it is now. Uh, <laughs> it is. Sorry, we've been a bit absent, but I guess we'll probably be covering the post LGT results uh, in a couple of days' time as well. Um, if you see us or Team Ignite at LGT, 
come up and say hello. We're all really friendly bunch of people. I will most likely bring Koo, the board game again, to come and play. And I'll probably play that between my rounds as well. So have a lovely day, everyone. Wherever you are, hope you've enjoyed the podcast. It's good to be back. And uh, we'll see, see you next time. See you guys next time by the fireside. Bye. Thank you for listening to the 40K Fireside Podcast. Book and I hope you've enjoyed listening and we greatly appreciate any feedback that you can provide after the show. 